listening to Prime by Cortex, a podcast where we sit down with people from around the community. And today we're actually joined by Mournful Leper. Good morning. Before we uh, actually sit down with our guests here, I do want to uh, point out if you didn't catch the news already, uh, Tales of Zadia does have a release date now. Me expecting that to drop March 29th. Uh, and as always, you can look up more up-to-date information uh, on their website, talesofzadia.com. Now, for today's episode, uh, I am here with a special guest today. Uh, you, you mind if I just call you Leper? That's fine with me. Morpho Leper is your sort of brand name and also your Discord tag as well. Now, uh, today, what we're going to be talking about primarily is uh, challenges as a new GM coming in Cortex. We'll also talk about challenges as a player in Cortex and also how to get your players to try Cortex with you. Uh, but before we get into that, let's uh, get to know a little bit about our guest today. So yeah, um, I am Mournful Leper. Uh, I'm a digital artist and a musician and a RPG creator uh, in the in the space. Kind of trying to find my way, right? I came away from D and D, have a huge long history with D and D. I started with Second Edition, AD and D, and actually the Marvel Face Rip system were the first two books that I picked up in the '90s, and I played those uh, extensively. Uh, and then a little bit of White Wolf there towards the end of the '90s when it was like super popular. And then I switched to Three uh, Five. You know that was. Like, I think a lot of people in my generation played the most 3-5 uh, of, of, like, anything and then followed that into Pathfinder. And then 5e is kind of where it started to fall apart. Not not through any fault of that game. I started to encounter questions, right, where I didn't kind of have them before. I know that I was playing in a um, play-by-post, really, really cool event where it was, like, a 24-hour thing. There were dungeon masters all the time that you could interact with and stuff. And so I was in this party with like 12 other people and it's huge combat. And I, I had a sorcerer character that died in the first round. And I had waited there for so long to even take that turn. And then, you know, all these people are there and it was this huge event. And it was like, okay, you know, you're, you died from massive damage and you're done for. And that's the end of the fun for you. That's kind of where I turned and like I knew that I because I hadn't been running games for a while at the time. So I I started looking for things to run online that I could slot in and out. Like I was kind of starting to build a system for myself. So I was exploring systems and that ultimately is what led me to Cortex. It's interesting that you say that like um, D&D 5e is a little bit of a I guess we can phrase it as like a turning point. Would, would that be accurate? accurate yes because I, I think it's like a turning point for a lot of players is it's a in, in this generation it's the introduction for a lot of people um i know for myself i was also um coming from like a white wolf pathfinder first edition background and you know i also had the same feelings about 5e um 5e was good enough for me to where like it all all it took was like a single one shot to make me stop wanting to play pathfinder first edition uh, but that said i like i also had those same questions and same perhaps dissatisfaction as you did uh playing 5e so i never really stuck with 5e for too long it's really interesting with 5e 
I recently had a kind of a weird experience with 5e because I was kind of looking at it from a cortex brain. I'm in a, a regular 5e game and I'm trying to like enjoy it, right? I'm, I'm like, how can I look at this in sort of a different way? And so it doesn't have a lot of rules. When you really, really get down to the rules of 5th edition, there's like three pages of rules. And so at first, that that was something that caught my attention. I was like, why haven't I done this before? You know? And so I think it, there's so much, and I hesitate to call it bloat because that's kind of a buzzword and it doesn't like mean much. But I think you might get engaged with a lot of things that aren't the core of fifth edition and once you break it down to d20 plus ability plus modifier plus advantage it's really really simple and you can do a lot with that core role you know narratively but that's certainly not the way a lot of people are playing that game it's not necessarily a bad thing at at the end of the day like i think there is some uniformity in the community generally speaking and, you know, it really helps that there's that community there. It's such a big, robust community, and there's so many resources for someone to take those three pages of core roles and just really uh, expand them. Not exactly in the same way that I feel you can do with Cortex or, I mean, just frankly, a lot of other systems, in my opinion. Yeah, there is so much to get your hands on. I think um, some of it might be like a lack of clarity, right? Like D&D doesn't have a lot of... Um, here's how you choose. I think Cortex does have a lot of that, right? Where you look at the system and it's all the mods are laid out for you. You kind of already have an idea of how they interact with each other. And on top of that, you know, the Cortex handbook is not a game, right? So as we get more and more games, we'll start to see more and more examples of how those things interact with one another. Uh, Whereas the um, more popular game spaces where, you know, a lot of those Um, modulars are being published right now maybe don't have those guides as much yeah exactly i think tales of exadia is probably going to be their biggest in to date like that's not to say like any of the older games couldn't but those games are unfortunately out of print so unless you're going out of your way to buy it like third hand right like uh, most players i think are going to get introduced to either a uh, GM who used the handbook to build their own thing, or through the upcoming IPs, uh, which is Tales of Zadia, Legends of Grayskull, and apparently there's a third secret thing in the works. I, I don't think we have any news on that, uh, but that's what I'm hearing. But, you know, speaking of, like, so you gravitated away from 5e. Um, it, you maybe had some other games between 5e and Cortex, but uh, what was your first introduction to Cortex? Like, what what got your attention? I was in a OSR subreddit. Somebody was asking about lasers and dinosaurs. That's why I clicked on the thread. I was like, oh, I love lasers and dinosaurs. Inside said thread, somebody was talking about Legends of Grayskull. That was my first, not even my first, that was my first, like, that's what brought me to Cortex literally directly right now. I had actually had a copy of the Firefly, the original Firefly handbook. And I often think about that now, like the past few months of this whirlwind of Cortex that I've been experiencing, like, man, I wish I had kept that book around and played maybe some games from it. But uh, after finding out about Legends of Grayskull and clicking on that link and getting to Cortex, uh, I knew that I had to experience as as much of it as I could, you know, uh, that I needed to start playing so that I could start learning so that it could all start making sense. So I came to the Discord and I can't remember what came first. I I played a Marvel uh, game, Marvel Heroic game, uh, where I played a a Heroic variant, Victor Von Doom, uh, which was such an incredible experience, you know, like, hey, we just unlocked your imagination, you know? And then my other one was with BW and 
I don't know if you have any plans to have BW on the show or if anybody else has talked about BW, but what an incredible ambassador for the game that he is. But I played in one of his weekly games uh, in the Discord server, uh, a hack called uh, High Pressure that he had made for uh, Confab. Those two games, like I said, happened around the, the same time. And, and I've just been trying to you know get my hands in as much as possible since then. Uh, I do plan on having BW on the show eventually uh, down the line. Um, for those who are unfamiliar, if you joined the Discord, I mean, BW has their own channel on Discord uh, where they just organize. I think it's like weekly games, right? Um, is it all playtesting? Are, are you aware? Up to the whim of the moderator. Um, so just mm. recently, I had been participating in just some like wild theory crafting we were meeting once a week to just talk about cortex and because he made a a random game generator so we just rolled on that for a few weeks and talked about what we had rolled and what does it look like to build a game from those roles and what are the implications of adding these mods in this combination and how do you use that to build this kind of drama so it was like real workshopping stuff but i also have played like a great number of games uh, with BW as well, like Exiles and um, Whiskey Grits and Demon Spittle and um, High Pressure, uh, as I mentioned. So like I said, it's pretty much up to whatever BW wants to do. That's fair. And I I don't think BW is the only person who does pickup games. I think there's uh, one or two other groups on the Discord who do pickup games. So if you're looking to have like an introduction like Mournful Leper here, where you're just jumping into these pickup games, you can definitely find it on the Discord. So, Leper, it, it sounds like you're really involved in the community. I see you chatting in Discord all the time, and uh, I haven't had the chance personally to join in on those pickup games. I do hope to eventually, uh, but it sounds like you're just kind of throwing yourself in there. Are, are you mostly GMing, or are you mostly a player in these uh, cases? Started more as a player, moving much more into GMing now. Mm. Are you normally a GM when you do games? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, that's that's definitely what drew me to the hobby in the first place. Yeah, same here. I think like the Cortex Prime handbook is probably most appealing to GMs, in my opinion, uh, because it's this menu of different roles and such uh, to build your own thing. And if you're not the one building it, like that's not to say that's no good for players, but I think it's easier for a GM to just build their thing and then tell the players like what mods and what rules they're specifically using. Cause uh, that, that book is uh, a bit of a behemoth, I think. Yeah, it really is. And that's one of the reasons why I've been trying to learn so much is because if you want to know what all those switches and dials and things do, you got to put your hands on them and turn them and switch them and stuff. Right. So, um, you know, that's definitely a thing. You're talking about GMs and and how the game appeals to a GM. I feel like it gives you the player experience in a lot of ways that GMs don't normally have. You're sharing in the storytelling. You're reacting to what's happening more than you're used to. And, And those reactions are less of, oh, no, how do I fix this? And, oh, my God, that was awesome. Let's run with it. You know, it's so freeing. Yeah, and I think it starts off small. If you've done other tabletop role-playing games, like let's say 5e or whatever, and you're coming over the Cortex, I think it could start off small depending on how your GM is running things, where you're just role-playing like normal. And then you hit that first point where it's like, you know what, I kind of want to figure out what this plot point thing is about. Can I just create an asset? Or maybe your GM like uh, turns the table toward you and asks you like, oh, well, this 
this character that you just interacted with just received a complication from you. Can you name the complication? It's like a very small, but I think powerful thing uh, that immediately makes things a little different. Yeah, absolutely. Prepping your games as a GM, uh, did you find that you had to do any sort of mental switch here or take some sort of different approach to prepping your games compared to other systems? Yeah, uh, certainly a learning curve. I I like prep. And, um, uh, you know, it was one of those things that made me feel like I was a player in the game and, and um, appealed to me as like a world builder and stuff. But a lot of times the players don't see all that prep and you have to sort of, you're reusing things, right? There's um, hours and hours of YouTube videos and pages and pages of blogs on how to fix it when your players go off of the rails that you built or how to engage with your players when there are no rails, right? Whereas um, with Cortex, all of that stuff is just right there in front of you. And so it's hard to get used to that. And it's hard to understand what is good prep and what your style of prep is. And then also that might even react to your players and to the build of game that you're playing. You know, um, there was a really, really incredible thread on this in the Discord uh, yesterday, actually. But once again, this is one of those things where it's very intuitive and it's very easy, but it's also so modular and so different. It really starts to become an art form where you're feeling the differences rather than just academically looking at them. I think there are a lot of methods that can translate over to prepping a Cortex game, especially when you're new to it and you know, you're, you're already like juggling with the rules. The last thing you want to worry about is changing your prepping style. That, that said, um, the handbook does come with a fountain of um, advice for right. how to how to prep it for Cortex. And some of this isn't necessarily unique to Cortex. Some of it, like I personally haven't read it anywhere else. Um, so there's a lot of like solid advice. Uh, naturally, of course, you know, Cam Banks is not going to kick down your door and tell you you're prepping <laughs> or playing the game wrong. But I think it's definitely worth a read to check it out and see where Cortex is coming from. Uh, when it comes to prepping yeah. uh, before disregarding it completely. I, I think it is worth reading those uh, dozen or two dozen pages that they have on um, prepping games, and setting up scenes and what those scenes might look like in Cortex. Like I think, you know, one thing that uh, they tell you to do um, or one thing that they tell you you could do that I never do in any of my other games are like tag scenes at the very end. Yeah. Cortex is very like session centered. Not precisely episodic, although it, it's kind of almost there. So it, it encourages you to do these tag scenes where you just kind of breathe things full circle, reevaluate what happened and see if there's any growth in your characters from there. And yeah, explore, pick things up uh, next episode. Um, usually not so much on the cliffhanger, I would say, but um, well, I, I guess that's not entirely true. I definitely still do cliffhangers in Cortex. Right. But yeah. It depends, right? Um I mean, there's so much there, right? I'm, I, I didn't. You asked me a question before, and I waxed philosophic on on prepping D and D versus Cortex instead of answering your question. But I have come to a list of reveals, a list of things I can grab: GMCs, crisis pools, mobs with attached SFX, because like a lot of times, I want my bad guys to be doing cool stuff. And if you're just making up bad guys on the fly, it's hard to have cool thematic special effects attached to them. So I kind of try to have that stuff 
cocked and loaded as much as possible. There was a document that got linked in the Discord. It's from Talsorian Games. It's called Scripting the Game. I only use like literally one piece of advice from it, um, which is alternating your action scenes and not action scenes. Make sure, make sure everybody has a chance to decompress and you're not pushing them too hard, right? That's pretty basic. But I must have read that thing 15, 20 times in like coming to that decision, you know, and, and in prepping for Cortex games and like learning how I wanted to prep my Cortex game. Yeah. And you know, that that's a key thing there is feeling out how you want to prep your Cortex game, because just like how you can dial uh, up and down how crunchy your Cortex build is, um, how in depth it is, or how lightweight it is, the same thing could be said about prep work, you know, um, and that, that could be like session to session, not necessarily game to game, build to build, because um, you get so many options with how to handle, like, say, for example, characters in Cortex. Like, if you need to come up with a character on the fly you could just quickly work out like a uh, a boss trait list for a character and then flush them out later um or you could just do all your characters like that i know uh josh roby said that they either used to or maybe still do use the doom pool for uh gmpcs rather than you know, making full-fledged uh, character sheets. But, you know, you can also do that too, where you're just making a character sheet that looks just like or very similar to a player character sheet. But, you know, that takes time. And that kind of, again, boils down to preference. Yeah, I really like the idea of just starting with that list of traits because I think when you're moderating Cortex, eventually you are going to do that no matter what, is just throw somebody's name and like D8, jaunty hat, you know, D10 attitude or whatever. I already have a picture of in my head of that character that I just made from those three statements. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, that kind of thing is so fun. And once again, so enabling and really just fires the imagination, you know. As a new GM coming into Cortex, uh, what is something that you're enjoying so far about uh, migrating Cortex as opposed to GMing other systems? That player agency and really, really finally feeling like that we're sharing a story together. Because, you know, I don't think I even knew that that block was in place. I thought that that's what the hobby was, you know, that's what we were always doing. But then you kind of start to realize, you know, the the differences in, as you said, play style and table style. Like my regular um, gaming group that I've been gaming with for decades, decades, you know, like I said, we just recently had our first like session zero where we sat down and I was like, guys, we need to talk about why we're here. You know, like, <laughs> um, uh, is it just because we love one another and we want to spend time together? And it's not right. That's definitely part of it. But we're also here to play this game. So what is it that we're trying to get from that game? And how do the rules interact with that question? a point of view that I came to from Cortex and also a point of view that you can take to any game, no matter what it is that you're playing. Absolutely. I I think I had a very similar experience coming into Cortex myself. Like this is that player agency. And um, I don't think Cortex itself uh, calls it a conversation, uh, but other game systems do, or they, they say that role-playing is more of a conversation. And I feel like in my own experience, 
I never really had conversations in quite a few of the other systems I've done. But with Cortex in in a couple similar sis, uh, systems, like I, I feel like I'm finally am having that conversation because you know we had the Sidarin talk about like oh well you need to make it or you want to make an asset like how you do that what you want to do and then we start chatting about like what's happening in the scene or like what's uh, around the scene right. You touch on something, you know, you roll to make an asset, right? It's so simple and one of the core mechanics of Cortex, but when you get down to it, that's like, that's a story beat, you know? And and um, this is something that really is uh, more and more coming to understand about Cortex is all of those roles are so important and they really, really matter to your story, no matter what it is, no matter if you're just picking up dice to create an asset or, you know, you're in the final encounter with the big bad evil guy, the dice are are helping you to tell the story. And, and uh, if you're putting hands on them, then then it probably needs to be a reason. I'm doing a play-by-post right now with some like new players. And so it's teaching them in slow motion, which is both harder and easier at the same time. But watching them kind of, you know, we did our first round of making assets and somebody's picking up a gun and somebody's, you know, calling in uh, an airstrike or whatever. And then they get into the next scene and they didn't need any of that stuff. And they're starting to realize, oh, okay, maybe I can just spend plot points when I need them and I don't have to have these assets laying around. I can just test create them when it's right for the story or whatever. And uh, so, yeah, once again, I think when you get into playing and doing, that's when all of that stuff starts to make more sense and starts to feel more intuitive. You know, you and I are going back and forth about like how wonderful it has been to GM it. But, you know, Cortex can still be tricky to run, especially when you're coming from more like quote unquote traditional games. What was something that you found was really hard for you to wrap your mind around uh, from a uh, game moderator perspective with Cortex? I don't know that it's been any one specific thing. It's been a lot of little things. I like didn't understand why the d4 stress mod existed like how zadia does it where it just does away with it right i didn't really like okay for instance i wasn't giving people plot points when they were including that d4 i just thought it was a cool thing like oh here you go you get your complication and then it goes away and so you can do stuff like that and do it wrong and then suddenly you understand a little bit more about it and then it has like ramifications you know throughout your entire game so that is something that that uh it it takes some getting used to. The Doom Pool was hard. I love it, right? And it's such a cool and unique tool, but actually understanding how to use it and when to spend from it and when to keep dice in it and how to carry it over from session to session was something that really like took some experimentation and some reading and talking to people and stuff. I think is it, there's like a lot of like little things to remember, right? Like there there could potentially be a flow chart here. Not not to make it seem like Cortex is just a huge complicated game. Like you can always start out easy and light, and you know it, it doesn't really break the game to like forget like stuff like that but yeah it does kind of like highlight why there was that game design decision once you go a couple sessions without doing it right versus when you finally do start doing it right i feel like there's like a whole conversation or debates that that could be had about like is there a way to do cortex wrong 
there there is and there is and i think i think that's a complex question that i, I don't know if we'll get into that today it's a whole episode right yeah that's a whole episode like I, I guess what i'm saying is like you can ask how to do a thing in like the cortex uh discord and i think this is a beauty of it mind um and you know you'll get five replies and all five of those replies could potentially be different angles at tackling effectively the same thing Yep, absolutely. And, and you know, it can be difficult and confusing, you know, for people. And it's hard, too, to talk about the potential pitfalls of something that you love so much, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's not even my system, but I mean, I love the system so much that I had to take uh, legit critiques of the system in stride and, you know, just be mindful that, like, people are coming at this game from different angles. And, you know, that is, by itself could be a disadvantage. Like, there's a lot of people within um, just any game system who just struggle with a single streamline rule set like you'll see for example players who will only ever play like a certain class in DD uh, because playing another class effectively means like learning a chunk of something new right and so you know that there's nothing wrong with that like people have different capacities for different things and from from that i mean like you know not everyone has the opportunity to learn and test every single mod that's in cortex prime right sometimes a person just wants to just sit down and uh just run the thing which i think is what's going to be really appealing for like the published ips like tales of zadia um so i mean that's that's all valid yeah uh, i'm really looking forward to getting in there and running some some zadia i don't have a deep personal connection to the IP or anything, but I think it's going to be so great to bring people to the game. That show is very rich, right? Like I said, I, for me, it's not, I, I couldn't quite engage with it like story-wise, but the lore is crazy awesome and it's so beautiful to look at and the music is amazing. And so I think as a GM, I couldn't ask for more than that. And then I started looking into the, the, um, the pre-generated characters and stuff and they're all so cool and and so fun and and so I, i'm starting to get really hyped to run some zadia and and um engage with some people on that level i feel you there because um honestly like i never gave masters of the universe or tales of zadia or dragon prince really right uh, as a second thought until i saw that cortex was coming out uh with games for those so i was like all right well you know these are going to be the two big games for cortex at least on the front lines i i should check it out i I did wind up getting really into both ips and it's it's interesting how how much influence like a good tabletop role-playing game could do for uh getting people into a new ip or vice versa you know, if you are a huge fan of Dragon Prince, but you never heard of Cortex, like this is going to be your into a brand new system. Trying to explain it to the guy at the comic book store um, the other day, I, you know, I pulled out the character sheet and he said, OK, well, where are your attributes? OK, well, attributes are here, but really. And then I'm like putting my hand around distinctions and values. And he's like, well, no, 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 no. Your attributes are here. And I'm like, man, those I'm telling you, all of this is important and just as weighted as those attributes are. And, uh, you know, it's exciting to 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 engage with those kind of attitudes and maybe change some hearts and minds a little, you know? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think a lot of people are just going to need to see an action, uh, which, you know, 
I, I think we'll probably get more and more like actual play out there uh, once the game releases and people are going to be able to see uh, the game played, hopefully by their favorite streamers, who knows. But yeah, when it comes to Cortex, there there is a lot to wrap your mind around, right? Um, is, there, is there any like one thing that you wish you knew back then that you know now? Just starting out with Cortex? Yeah. I think that you touched on it earlier, the fact that it's so hard to break and that your mistakes don't matter. Melly mentioned it in, um, it, or maybe they don't matter as much as you think they do, right? Melly mentioned it in the Discord um, that it's an ongoing process and it's overwhelming to wrap your head around the modularity. Then it's also a tool and you can also use it and you can also change the things that you don't like. This is something that's hard for me personally. Sometimes it's just to admit it that a mistake is a mistake and that it does it didn't ruin your game it can just be something that you can change and move on you know and i think as like gms we can we can be harder on ourselves about every little mistake but you know sometimes the player either doesn't know or doesn't know or think that you're just making a judgment call because it's better for the game and so to, to them it's nothing to you you might be kicking yourself like oh man i really messed that up the player should have gotten like 20 plot points the villain should have been taken out etc but uh for for a lot of players you know that might not actually be the case so you know we got to keep perspective here at the table for sure from a GM perspective, uh, would it be accurate to say that it has been a sort of guess and check or uh, learning as you go situation? Yes, absolutely. And it sounds like you're getting a lot of game time as a player. Have you found that your experience as a player has been different compared to other systems? Well, for sure, right? Yeah, you know, we talked a little bit already about how much, you know, power that you have um as a player uh and so the way i think of it sometimes is when i first discovered point and click adventures in the 90s and uh the idea that a video game for example didn't didn't necessarily have to have a linear gameplay and that you could represent yourself just exploring just touching things in the world and being there in like a real way that you hadn't experienced before and i think being a player in cortex is a lot like that you know if you're not used to it you're like oh wow i can i can do all of that stuff <laughs> yeah i think uh there's a level of like authorship that i think comes with the role of player that um you see in some other games um but you know given that cortex has a meta currency the plot points and then just other mechanics that are just baked in the core of the game like it's all there and it's, it's all could potentially be a bit much did you find that you had any problems getting your players to switch over i honestly started with new players um and that was easier for me than getting players to switch i'm having more and more success as i go along i got some of my grognards in a play-by-post now I, I mentioned and so i'm once again teaching them in slow motion and they're getting into it the shared fiction aspect is really cool because we can explore those nuances uh, where you know if you're at the table and you're put on the spot what does your character do sometimes it can be hard and you've got that choice paralysis and you're building a pool whereas in a play-by-post it's like oh okay i can really kind of lean into this and develop the fiction so i hooked them that way and now we're gonna i gotta schedule a uh, voice chat with those uh players so that we can you know, get on the same page with rules because now they're hooked. Now they're really, really into it and they're starting to ask questions. Like, how do I push my, or how do I challenge my relationships and how do I push stress and all that stuff? Yeah, that's that's interesting that 
that you made the switch through play by post because yeah it, it does give you some breathing room to think through stuff and you know there, there's not a whole lot of pressure to know a rule like right then and there you you have some time to just look it up or just yeah you, you don't have to uh stress yourself uh, out about it i i personally find that uh, if like for for our listeners who don't do play by posts uh, but are struggling to get their players to I mean honestly switch to any other system much less Cortex right I find that it helps to just kind of pitch it like the the scope of the thing that you're doing like hey do you mind if we switch over to this new system really just want to do one or two sessions and if if you don't like it by the end of like session two we can switch back uh, or figure something else out I, I find that that helps a lot for really just any campaign just to know like the level of commitment that's suspected of the player right you say you're going to switch over to voice chat are you just going over rules or were you going to like actually run a live game Mm -hmm. no just going over rules but as i say that was significant for me in that they were they had an interest you know in that they're they're trying to do new and and fun things with their characters now, you know, our, our experience as to what new players tend to have trouble with might be a little different here. Are, are you finding any particular thing that your players are getting hung up on? No, I, I wouldn't say so. And this, this is, um, I think, a function of I, I had the one regular game. But other than that, it's been real piecemeal, you know, and, and I haven't had as much time as I like to really focus on building a rapport, you know, both with the game and with the players, right? And so I think when you have new people, there's going to be a, a variety of questions and like everybody kind of, um, you know, might might be having trouble in different spots. But if you're working on something regular, you can really like fine tune where the problems are. You know what I'm saying? Like maybe certain player isn't understanding a certain thing and and you can help with that rather than just answering a bunch of general questions all at once. Right. Yeah. When when I approach teaching Cortex in I've slowed down in recent months with playing with random people, but uh, there was like a hot minute there where I was just playing games with random people all the time and just introducing them to Cortex. Yeah, I, th- I think a couple of things that I found players were having uh, trouble with were like uh, one if you're not used to a game that has meta currency that's that's a whole thing right so I had players that would struggle with um, even remembering that they have plot points for example yeah yeah plot points is big hitches right and bad things happening on their turn you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. buying a hitch and applying a complication to somebody or applying stress to somebody or doing whatever it is that you're doing with that hitch. It can be hard both for players and for moderators to sort of get used to that kind of thing happening, you know? Right. You know, um, I'm, th- I'm thinking back to it now, uh, you know, jo- uh, Josh Roby, who we've had on the show before, they have a project that's supposed to be very new friendly. And I think they were saying that they weren't even introducing plot points until second session or the second chapter of uh, what would be this pre-written adventure, I think, or campaign frame. Right. Yeah, I think uh, I believe it's two level two as well, because that's the distinctions one, right? Mm, yeah. I oh, know it's interesting um, because there there is like a fairly sizable list of things that you could be spending your plot points on. I've done everything from making a reference, uh, like I, I made like a little flow chart that's like, oh, if it's before the roll, these are things you could do. If it's after you've already rolled, these are other things that you can do. 
Um, and yeah, I mean, that's still like a lot for the player to like right. look at. Um, I find that's more useful to just let them know that plot points are a thing and then kind of coach them through like, oh, well, if I were in your shoes, I might be looking to spend a plot point on such and such or wait to spend a plot point until after that. And like, I, I think players really start thinking about plot points when uh, their character is backed either in a literal or figurative corner where things are getting harder. It's like, oh, crap, what, what can I be doing to make things easy for me? I mentioned it just a little bit earlier. You start to be more aware of your plot points and, and spend them a little more according to your own style when you do things with them that you didn't want to do. You know what I mean? Like when you um, have busted that plot point and you think later on like, oh, I should have done this instead. Or, you know, when you start to understand a little better what the potential is, uh, I think that can be a real motivator to maybe not do things the quote unquote right way, right? But to do things that are more satisfying to you as a player, you know, it's building a pool, right? That That is one of my favorite things to engage with with a new player, a teaching tool that first scene where the you first pick up the dice. And so, you know, um, in my experience or the way I like to do it is um, you've had, you know, everybody's together. You've maybe done some role playing and you've sort of showed people that they can introduce things into the narrative and there's a freedom there. You know what I'm saying? You want a magic sword? You got a magic sword. Okay, good, good call. And then the first time you pick up the dice and start going around and explaining what goes into the role and how to build your pool and how you can get extra dice into it and uh, stuff like that, that I think is a really good place to teach new players as well what treat sets are you using for your play by post because what, another thing i find that players might have difficulty with or like the more abstract traits the more most common one being distinctions right but also having issues with like values i think relationships kind of are easier to handle but it's still yeah. like this abstract thing that you've never that i think a lot of players never actually seen as a stat right on their sheet so I got ambitious and it was a function of having cortex brain and not new person brain. So my distinctions are are pretty accessible. I have guides, right? It's um, background and heritage, uh, vocation and, and occupation. And the last one is uh, morality or philosophy. And then I have, uh, I'm calling them roles, but it's attributes. The roles are uh, strong, tough, um, fast dedicated, uh, smart, charismatic. I stole them from D20 Modern. Those were the classes. And then relationships. And relationships, like, they're, I love relationships. Um, if I could have them as a prime set in every build, I would. I just love what it does to the table. You know what I mean? I love being a, a moderator for that drama. So they have really taken to them surprisingly, but the challenging and the statements is um, something that we're working on. And then I got resources on there, which again was a tactical error, you know, trying to explain to people that they're rolled separately and you only keep one of them and it goes onto your total and it's not available as an effect die and the hitches don't matter. You know, it was a lot of fiddly <laughs> bits um, yeah. for me to put on there, uh, but that's basically it. So, so like I said, I was trying to make this kind of streamlined build, but ultimately trip all over myself anyway <laughs> yeah no it's it's funny that you say that because you could absolutely just try like to build your game I, I guess a way the phrase is like wide where you're using all these different elements um which you know I, I think technically they're all supposed to work together whether to that degree i'm not sure how far along you can get before stuff 
breaks down but like when you're when you're dealing with like new players i, I imagine it kind of feels like you're almost gaslighting them it's like oh remember how <laughs> how this trait worked well you got it wrong uh, because Except in yeah. this situation <laughs> yeah. right and because i spent a die from my doom pool that's right yeah it's you're absolutely right i feel so bad and that's why we're doing this voice call because i'm like oh you you poor dudes you and they're just they're so trusting and they're just going along with whatever i say so uh, we gotta (laughs) we gotta clear the air yeah 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 i mean just imagine like you think you're finally getting stuff right and then at the end of the session or at the start of next session there's all of a sudden this thing that contradicts what you thought was good especially like if you were already primed by the fact that there are like all these optional rules that you could be doing so i I think a thing to like curve that maybe is just having a menu of things that you're using for your game and telling them where to look it up or maybe just introducing it incrementally right yeah yeah like you know you can keep it simple to just uh the three prime sets or two or three prime sets that you're using for your game and then introduce this new thing later on in the next session so i i guess taking a josh roby approach right right and uh, you know i it's they they say everybody says it and nobody does it start with hammerheads right i'm guilty as well i didn't do it but it looking at it the more i turn around and look in the rear view at hammerheads waving at me like you you this was the way it's really built you know for accessibility it's got you know there's not much to it it's you know uh, you make a couple decisions at the beginning and then you just run in and start playing cortex so i, I hope to use that more and then also there's zadia too and zadia um uh, we talked about a little bit has has a cultural kind of handle on it that maybe will help people learn as well yeah i wonder like how much a specific players experience colors how they're learning the game because in my opinion you know if you have previous experience first like no experience with tabletop rpgs like um to me like it seems like a world of difference like i I mentioned before that i was playing with a bunch of random people like there was a solid like two or three years where i think on average i was just playing with uh well one my regular group i wasn't always playing with random people but you know talking to 30 to uh, 30 to 50 players over a given year um about different game systems and in my experience like you know if if your experience is only doing like say D D 5e to me as, as someone who does all these different systems and who who's playing with all these random people like i i can tell when your experience has only just been 5e or has largely just been 5e because you treat the game differently uh, when you're coming from a experience background, whether it's D&D or like a Shadowrun or some other system, um, as opposed to someone who's never done a role-playing game before, I, I, I actually find that they tend to have an easier time uh, understanding the roles because they don't have, like th- their cups are empty as it were, right? Yes, right. They don't even need to empty their cup because their cup is already empty. Um, so I guess that's the point I'm trying to get to is like, if you're a player struggling with Cortex, but you don't struggle with other sy- uh, systems, like, empty your cup yeah no that's unlearn is a huge part of learning cortex and and if you don't have to unlearn then yeah you definitely have that advantage for sure yeah definitely how do you know that the person who wrote your game is also a philosophy major right (laughs) yeah well first off they're they're gonna have give you a trait set that's just different philosophers uh (laughs) rate your die for it yeah (laughs) i love it 
Uh, well, Leper, it's been great having you on the show. It, it's something I've been wanting to do to get the perspective of uh, someone who's just coming into Cortex uh, onto the show. So I'm glad I was able to uh, have you on here. Uh, where can uh, listeners find you and your stuff? Well, thank you as well. I, I really appreciate you having me. It's been such a fun conversation. I'm sure you can tell I have such enthusiasm for the system. I appreciate you indulging me. If anybody's interested in finding out more about Mournful Leper, I have a website, mournfulleper.com. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, uh, Patreon, of course, Fiverr. I'm in all of those spots. You know, just trying to trying to get out there. This whole thing, Mournful Leper, has been a project for me that I was feeling some imposter syndrome. I've been an um, artist and a musician my whole life uh, and didn't have a lot to show for it. So I really wanted to just make a repository um, for all of my artistic things to go into. It's been really great. Once again, a learning curve. Uh, certainly, I've I've made some missteps and and uh, had some difficulties, but also really really enjoying it. And the returns have been incredible. You know, meeting people, doing things like this. So yeah, yeah. I I'm actually going to ask you one last question actually before we sign off. Um, you know, you have this uh, website and this brand going. Can we expect one day a creator studio? Uh, Mournful Leper label? Oh, yes, absolutely. So um, thank you for asking that question because maybe I want to talk specifically about what it is that I imagine that I do, right? So um, my first uh, big project that I released is called The Doorway in the Hill. The Doorway is a, started as a record. It was all the uh, electronic instrumental tracks, um, not all of them. Like There were probably 40 songs that I started with, and I boiled them down to the ones that are on the um, album. And then I made a video to go with it, which was really, really fun. And then I knew I wanted there to be a TTRPG aspect of the project. So I unfortunately started working with some really, really great people on something uh, before realizing that it didn't have anything to do with the album that I had written. And that what I really wanted to do is to make something that made the whole thing a piece with all of the elements that I imagine that I do, you know. And so I created uh, Codex Encoda, which is an OSR piece. It's written in AD&D. The reason why I did it that way is because uh, it makes a retro 90s kind of vibe out of all of the doorway in the hill itself. So the reason why I uh, mention all of that, uh, other than obviously to promote it, is that's kind of what the the main thrust uh, of what the next thing is going to be. Hopefully later on this year, uh, I start work on the second album, which is uh, more of a Black Sabbath-y kind of like metal album. That'll have a video and a game uh, to go with it as well, which will be primed by Cortex. But that's like, you know, that's a big thing. I, I have a couple of Cortex games that I've been working on in the meantime. So the Creator Studio definitely is going to have a lot of Mournful Leper project on it. Knock on wood. You heard it here first, folks. Uh, be sure to check out Mournful Leopard's site. And we'll include uh, all, all that information in the show notes. To also include Prime by Cortex, which, you know, if you're already here, you, you already know how to find us. So that's the thing. But uh, you can always reach out to us uh, through Twitter or email. If you want to be on the show, talk about something or you want to see specific topics, just send me up. I'm open to it. And, you know, we might be looking at uh, more actual play opportunity. Um, it sounds like a lot of folks dig the last uh, mini series we did. Uh, but yeah, if you want to have some input on that, because nothing says stone right now uh hit me up uh and maybe prod leper here to join the actual play we'll see oh. <laughs> uh in the meanwhile uh you all have a good one we'll see you later <laughs>